Hey, church family, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. Thanks for joining us for this week in service. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrea, and we are today's service hosts. We just want to say a special welcome to any of you kids and students that we have with us today. We are so glad that you are joining us in Big Church. Did you know that we also have content that is designed just for you? There are additional messages each week for all ages, pre-K through 12th grade on our website. You can find these in the media tab under messages and then select the age group that you're looking for. As part of our local outreach effort, we'll be launching a series called Local Leaders on Mission that consists of monthly Zoom meetings discussing all local outreach opportunities, progress, and issues. We'll be having these meetings on the third Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. However, our very first meeting will be this coming Wednesday, August 19th, and we'll be chatting with Amber Schmidt from Together for Good about creating pathways for the church to come alongside vulnerable families. And if you're interested, please contact David Allen at dallen at CCC Rochester for more information. Christ Community Church Online is just about to get started, so we invite you to take in this service and all that God has for you today. Let's take this opportunity to worship our King apart, but together.
Father, we are just so thankful to be able to spend time in your presence today, God. And I pray as we continue to go into this time of worship that our minds and our hearts are just focused on you and you alone because you are worthy to be praised, God. So we give you all that we have today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. There is a king seated among us. Let every heart receive him now. Where there is praise, he will inhabit. There will be grace and mercy Every burden will be lifted in his presence. Every trophy will be
Welcome back. And for those of you just tuning in, I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrea. And we are so glad to have you worshiping with us today. Part of Christ Community's DNA is sending and supporting missions around the world to live out our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can join us in this mission and worship through your giving. And we invite you to take this opportunity to click the give link on your screen. Thanks in advance for your generosity. If you're new to joining us, thank you for tuning into our online church experience today. We are so excited to welcome you to our church, and we invite you to take this moment to fill out our online connection card. It is a great way for us to get you connected here at CCC. You can find this by clicking the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post, or you can click our live prayer button and one of our service hosts would be happy to get you connected that way too. We are continuing to pray for each of you, and we would love to join with you in lifting up your specific needs and praises. We can be confident that God hears us when we come before him. And if you would like prayer at any time during the service, our hosts are available on our streaming service through the live prayer feature. There are many opportunities to receive prayer throughout the week, too. You can check out these in the prayer section of our website. Thanks again for tuning into Christ Community Church Online. Now here's this week's message from Greg. All right, you have to learn to pray. You learn to pray in the same way. Lord, teach us to pray. There's so many people that say, well, I don't feel like praying. I only pray when I feel like it. Then you're wrong. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords is waiting. He has given you an audience at any time of the day, and you fail to keep your appointment. Prayer is work. And many times you make yourself keep your appointment with God, and out of some of those moments come your most precious moments and some of your greatest answers to prayer. Hi, I'm Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community Church. I want to thank you and welcome you uh, who are online. Thanks for joining us today. And we want to encourage you, if you would, to use the chat feature to connect with others who are watching online with you. Very early in the pandemic season, I was listening to a news commentator who said these words, we are all living a new normal. Of course, there is no normal, at least not yet. But there is fear, stress, a variety of voices that seem to constantly contradict each other. There seems to be plenty of anger, frustration, polarization, racial tension, and a boatload of uncertainty. In the book, My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers says this, the nature of the spiritual life is that we are certain in our uncertainty. He describes this as gracious uncertainty. It's this place where we are certain of the next, we are uncertain of the next step, but we are certain of God. We might add that we can be certain of God's grace while being graciously uncertain of the future details of our lives. Now, there are two things that I hope that happen because of our time together. First of all, that we would be open 
And by that, I mean that we'd be open to hear and to experience Jesus in a new and fresh way. Psalms 51.10 says this, God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. And secondly, I would hope that we would, because of our time together, be other-centered. Even with social distancing, each day of our lives interconnects with others. It can happen at the coffee shop, with the cubicle next to us at work, at the gas station, the grocery store, and even in our neighborhoods. And what I'm asking you to consider doing is simply this. To start each day, I want you to start each day asking God to help you and to greet those that you meet, to greet them in Jesus' name. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. I'm not talking about being pious or super spiritual or weird. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about giving a, a, a loud, resounding shout that says, howdy, hello, God bless you as you go. I'm not asking you to do that either. What I'm asking, especially don't do that if you're not that kind of person and you don't talk that way. What it does mean is this. I'm suggesting that you, when you see a person coming up the sidewalk, walking by your office, or they're standing there waiting for their turn at the elevator, that you simply pray this prayer. God, help me to see you in this moment. Help me to see this person as a divine encounter sent by you. Help me to see what you would see. Let me, just to take, let me just take a moment and recognize that, God, you are present here and now and in this and in them. This is somebody you love, therefore it is somebody I love. Now, what does that look like? There is a book written by a Benedictine monk. And at that time, in that tradition, greeting and hospitality uh, was a very big deal. That was years ago, long before there were motels and restaurants. Welcoming people into your homes or offering them food or lodging, inviting them to your table to share a meal, or helping them if they had a need, those were very, very important. They were a tremendous gift to give. So what I'm asking you to do is when you're standing there next to them, to take a moment, put the phone away, and to be intentional. To take time to take a deep breath and just pause. The monk suggested that in every encounter, you need to pray a little Latin prayer that was part of their faith tradition. And it's called Benedicamus Domino. What it means is, Lord, send me a pizza quickly. No, it doesn't mean that at all. This is what it means. It means it may be the Lord. That this opportunity and this person, it may be the Lord. And it's, it's based on a unique verse found in the book of Hebrews. And this is what it says. Hebrews 13.2, be sure to welcome strangers into your home. By doing this, some people have welcomed angels as guests without even knowing it. Jesus took this up a notch in Matthew 25 when he said something like this. When there is somebody, one of the least of these, a person that nobody else notices, maybe a person who's been overlooked or ignored or they're in need and you notice them, you give to them. When you do that, he's, Jesus says, whatever you've done for them, you've done for me, you did it for me. When you pray benedicamus domino, you're asking God to help you to keep your eyes open to the needs and the opportunities around you. You're praying, God help me to be other-centered. You know, in times like these, this, this 
COVID period that we find ourselves in, it's really easy to be self-centered. It's really easy to dwell on what you need and to focus on what you want. So much so that you and I unintentionally put blinders on. And as a result, we do not see the people, the needs and the opportunities that are right in front of us. And you might say opportunities for what? To meet a need, to give a kind word, to encourage, to let them know that you care because you listen and to pray, even if it's just praying silent in your own heart for that person. Now, throughout this message, in the next few minutes, I'm going to share and read to you Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I'm going to do that four times in four different versions of the Bible. And we're going to pray, but I want to do that right now. I want to read to you from Philippians 4, and this is from the contemporary English version, and this is what it says. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace, a peace that no one can, can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. So I'm just going to pray for us for a few minutes here. Father, I want to thank you for that reminder that instead of worrying that we would pray, Instead of being overwhelmed and unsure that we would be sure about you. Father, you've asked us to do so with thankful hearts, and that's easy because you've been so good to us. We have all these blessings. We have grace. We have families and friends that we love, and we're grateful. And because we belong to you, it says that if we pray with thanksgiving, we offer our petitions requests to you that you will give us peace. And we could definitely use peace right about now. So God, we ask for you to come in the next few moments to speak to us and to give us peace and to rely on you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm going to do something that Pastor Daryl, our senior pastor, does here, and that is to give the big theme. I'm going to share with you this theme, and if you grasp this over the next uh, few seconds as I share it with you, you'll have a good grasp of what we're going to be talking about. And this is the theme. It's twofold. First, our God is a God who hears and listens, which means basically that no prayer that we offer is too trivial to God. And secondly, there is no prayer that is too hard or too big or too far gone or beyond God's reach. Again, our God is a God who hears and listens, and there is no prayer that God won't hear and listen to. I want us to wrap around our arms around and never let go and to have a frame of reference that is confident of three things, that God is there, that God hears, and that God cares. Some time ago, I read a book written by Mark Batterson, and it was entitled In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. It's a crazy title, but it's an exceptional book. And if you're a life group leader or you want a book to read, this would be a good one to do. Uh, it's got great information. He's an exceptional writer. Uh, it's biblical. It's easy to follow. And if you're going with, through it with a, a friend or a friends, uh, it just stirs up a lot of great conversation. And Mark has some great insights on this matter of, of prayer, and I'm going to be sharing with uh, some of them with you now. And if I say something that's profound today, you're going to be tempted to think that probably I got it from Mark, and you'll be right. Now, 
in the book of 2 Kings, there are seven verses right away in that chapter that might be the craziest what-the-heck stories that you're ever going to find in Scripture. And it's because if you're reading through 2 Kings, this story is random. It comes out of nowhere. This person is telling you this really long story in 2 Kings, and right in the middle of the story, he stops and says, oh, I got to tell you this story. This is really weird. And it seems completely disconnected from where he was going and where he's been. And it is. It's out of sync with the rest of the book. If you've heard the phrase chasing rabbit trails, that's this. If you've seen a great movie called Up, and there's one word in that movie Up that most people remember, it's this, squirrel. It's like squirrel. This guy goes off on a tangent. And I can so identify with that because that's me. If you've ever been around me, I can take off and hit all kinds of dots. Now, in 2 Kings, in those first few verses, what we find out is there's this prophet. His name's Elisha, and he's with a group of guys, and they're down by the river, and they're chopping down trees. They're getting some wood in order to build a place to live. And there's this one guy, and he's swinging away, and why he's swinging away, the axe head, the, the, the iron axe head, disconnects from the rest of the axe, and it goes flying. In fact, it goes flying into the middle of the river. Okay? And again, I want you to understand, that would be a very anxious moment. And I want to go back again and read to you from Philippians chapter 4. It says this, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Now back to their story. In verse 5, this man who just lost his axe head turns to Elisha and cries out loud, Oh, my Lord, it was borrowed. As fate would have it, not only did he lose the axe head, it wasn't his to lose. He had borrowed it, and now that axe head is at the bottom of the river. In the Hebrew language, the way this man articulates it was borrowed implies a statement of absolute resignation. It's like thinking, I'm done. It's over, it's gone, it's a lost cause. And can't you see this guy standing by the edge of the river, hands on his hips, head down, shaking his head back and forth. He cannot believe what bad luck he has. He has one friend with his arm around him, another friend on the other side is patting in the back, said, dude, I'm so sorry, that's a bummer. And again, I want you to know you're watching this, and if you've been reading through First and Second Kings, you're kind of like, okay, what in the world has this, what does this have to do with the rest of the, of the book? And nothing, apparently, or so it seems. It's just random, and you would think maybe at that point, okay, great story, but the story's not over yet. And how do we know that? Because Elisha, the prophet of God, is there. And in verse 6, Elisha turns to this guy, uh, comes down, and he says, well, where, where did it fall? And when he showed Elisha the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in that general direction. Now, I like this story. I just want you to imagine. So just stop for a moment. You're the guy. You just lost your axe head. You just are 
completely bummed out. Elijah comes up and he goes, where did it go? And, and you go, well, it's over there. And he takes out a little pocket knife and kind of whittles with this stick. And then he cuts it off, cuts it, and he throws a piece of that stick out close to where it landed, right? So if I'm that guy and I watched Elisha do that, and Elisha says about there, and you go, yeah, right, right about there. Good job, prophet guy. Thanks for reminding me. How about giving me a paper cut and pouring some salt into it? Thank you, no. But the verse says this, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there, and when it landed where the axe head had entered the river, it says this axe head, which was steel, floated to the top of the river, and Elisha said, lift it out. And the man reached out into the river with his hand, and he took it. Okay, I didn't see that coming. Mark Batterson goes on to say it's his favorite miracle in all of Scripture, and he gives two reasons for it, and I think these two reasons are fairly profound. Number one, this isn't a life and death situation, okay? It's a bower of the axe, but it's just an axe. Um, the bottom line is, bummer for this guy, but he's going to live through it. It's, it's going to live through it, okay? But let's take a few different angles of what happens here, if, if we could. Like, let's say you're the man who lost his axe head, uh, the axe head, and, and you're moping, you're feeling sorry yourself, you can't believe the day you're having, maybe your whole week's been, and this is just another, another thing that goes wrong in your week, Right? And so you kind of walk off to be by yourself and you go down to the river's edge and you're looking where it went in and you're standing there and you look down there by the, the, the river's the bank and you see that this, this clay pot with a lid has kind of floated up and is stuck there. And so you're like, okay, and you, you, you pick it up and as you pick it up, you, you, real, you realize, oh, this has got a, a lid on it. And when you pull the lid off, I know you're going to think this, this is far-fetched. You pull the lid off and out pops a genie. And the genie says, you are so lucky, you get to have three wishes. Here's the deal. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that that guy with three wishes, I'm thinking that the ax head is not on the wish list. Okay? You know what I mean? Let's go a different angle push the fast forward button on this man's life. And he's on his deathbed. He only has a few hours to live. He's got family around him. And one of his family members asked him this question. Hey, if you could turn back the clock and get a do-over on something negative that happened in your life, what would it be? Could be just me. But I'm thinking that he's not going to mention the ax head. It's not even going to be in the top 10. You tracking with me? Let's go from a totally different perspective. Let's say you're the prophet Elisha. And God has given you as his prophet these like bargaining chips. But they're not bargaining chips. They're, they're miracle chips. Every, every chip in this little bag that you have is worth one miracle. One chip, one miracle. And you only have so many of those <laughs> miracle chips in the bag. And I'm guessing if you're Elisha and you're there that day and you see the axe head go in the river, that you're not going to spend one of those miracle chips on getting the axe head back. Now you might say, okay, Greg, I get it. Now what's the point? And the point is this, and I agree with Batterson who says, he says, I believe that this 
miracle, this story reveals something significant about God. In the middle of this narrative of second, first and second Kings, God is going to make a statement. And what's that? It's this, that God cares about the little details of your life. Whatever concerns you concerns God. God is great, not just because nothing is too big for him, but God is also great because there is nothing too small to him when it comes to your life. Batterson goes on to make another point why this is his favorite miracle of all time. And it's this. It's such a trivial thing. It's such a trivial thing. Batterson loves this miracle because it's this kind of ridiculously ordinary run-of-the-mill thing that sometimes happens in life when something doesn't go our way. Bummer for sure to lose that ax head, but not worth losing sleep over. And again, it's worth noting Nothing is insignificant to God when it comes to your life. And with that, I want to remind you again what God's word says from Philippians chapter 4. And this is what we call the living version. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in the shalom of God which surpasses all understand, understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Messiah Yahshua. Now you may be thinking, hearing that story, these words, why would God answer my prayer? And even if God is great enough to do absolutely anything, even if God is concerned even about the little details of my life, why would God listen to me? Why would God act on my behalf? And it's pretty simple. Galatians 4, 6 tells us simply, this is why. Because you're his kid. You're his kid. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you're not, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children and now we call him Abba, Father. Another translation says those words this way. Now we call him Father, dear Father. Another translation says it this way. Oh, beloved Father. The message translation renders the text this way. This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's Next, Papa. You're his kid. You don't need to be fearful or formal. Why? Because this is dad. This is dad. Here's how it works. I'm the father of four great kids. And when my kids were longer, younger, they loved to swim. Just like my wife, man, she just loves, just loves the water. So if my kid wanted to take me to or wanted me to take them to the pool at the YMCA to swim, they didn't come to me. They didn't kneel or fall prostrate before me and say in unison something like this, O great and glorious Father, live forever. If it pleases thou, would thee be so gracious unto us as you most certainly already are, always have been, and ever shall be. We humbly beseech thee, O Father, if thou should maketh our way to the YMCA where we shall enjoyeth your company and shall swimeth there forever and ever or until they closeth, amen. 
if my kids had ever done that, if they had come to me and said those words, we would have rushed them to the hospital. We'd have had uh, CAT scans taken, x-rays, some lab work. Why? Because they don't do that. We might have shook them and said, who are you and what did you do with my kid? What, what we would have said, something is absolutely wrong. My kids don't speak that way. That's not what they would have done. They would have simply came to me and said, hey, dad, can we go to the pool and swim? And if there was nothing else going on, there's a good chance we'd hit the pool. Why? Because I love my kids. I love my kids. Again, let me remind you what Philippians 4 says. And this is from the message translation. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You see, prayer is so critical to us at this moment in our country and in our church. Maybe more important than ever. Prayer is simply this. It's humble dependence upon God. And when we fail to pray, we fail to depend upon God. And when we fail to depend upon God, we begin to depend on other and lesser things. We're grabbing for thin air, if you please. In the book, Transformational Church, Ed Stetzer and Thomas Rainier says this, write, write these words. If our motivation as a church is numerical growth, growth, then we have no real reason to pray. Organizational expansion principles will produce results relative to your community or market. Teamwork, communication, people skills, and quality control will produce results. But none of these will produce substantive results from God in the lives of people. Transformation is God's work. We cannot rely on ourselves to see that transformation is impossible for us to affect the heart and to promote and produce life change. Ron Jensen was a seminary student who got into his van and for a year traveled this country coast to coast. He interviewed the brightest and best Christian leaders, pastors, and churches. He was working on his doctoral dissertation. He wanted to know what God was doing in those churches that seemed to be making an impact in America. And after traveling for a year, after over 200 uh, interviews with top spiritual leaders, he ended his doctoral thesis with these words. I have found a great deal of zeal for ministry, but very little passion for God. Prayer is depending upon God to show up and do what only he can do. And when we pray, we are simply leaning on God. But don't miss this. When we pray and lean into God, God has already been leaning into us. There are five things I want God to communicate to you. Five things that I believe that God wants to say to us. Number one, God has got this. Number two, God has got you. Number three, God has got us. Number four, he is in this. And number five, we're in this together. It's been an unreal year, hasn't it? And all around us, we're surrounded by fear, stress, a variety of voices that seem to constantly contradict each other. 
And with that, we have a whole lot of anger, depression, frustration, hopelessness, polarization, racial tension, and uncertainty. Well, I've got some great news for you. I heard a man say it this way. What has you surrounded, God has surrounded that. What has surrounded you, God has surrounded that. And he went on to say these words. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't slow down. Don't let your circumstances push you into disobedience or hopelessness. You are surrounded. It's true. But pray because God has you. So let's pray. Father, thank you for being a God who hears, but doesn't just hear, listens. Thank you for being a God who's big and yet who can be small, who takes um, concern for those things in our life that worry us, even sometimes when we think they're trivial. Also, thank you for being a God who leans in. And Father, it's my prayer that we would pray more, that we would lean into you and depend upon you. Instead of fear and worry and panic, I pray that we would be um, confident, confident that you are God who hears and who cares, even about those smallest details in our lives. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us for service today. If there are any needs in our church or in our community that you are aware of, please reach out to us as we want to help. You can do this by contacting the church office or by going to the service opportunity tool on our website. We'll work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for choosing Christ Community Online for your church experience today. See you next time.